Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of Nerdificent. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez, and sitting across from me... Yeah, it's your boy, If You Want Anyway, as always, looking fresh. And today we are joined up top by some of y'all's favorite guests. I would say he was on our most listened to episode of Nerdificent so far, MCU episode. If you haven't checked that out, it's a history of the MCU. Yes. Uh, we have the host of the Nickelodeon animation podcast, as well as animation investigation on Nerdist, Mr. Hector Navarro. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yay. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, I feel like there should be a round of applause, but there yeah, isn't. <laughs> can we, like, add, we can, we can no, add that in. That's okay. Uh, that MCU chat was fun. Yeah, I got it was messages. two hours. It was. I got messages. People were like, "Man, when you were talking about Captain America, man, I was crying." <laughs> <laughs> awesome, great, and we did our job. Yeah, I mean, it was so. I think I tweeted this, but you're someone that has this encyclopedic knowledge of comic books, and yet you don't gatekeep at all. You just want everyone to enjoy the fandom, whereas yep. like other people, especially men that have the level of history and knowledge of comic books and and nerd lore i guess that you do they often try to gatekeep it from people and like Mm -hmm. oh you didn't know this Mm -hmm. and you don't do that at all you just want everyone to enjoy it in whatever you know capacity that they do whether they enjoy it as much as you do or they're just casual fans that doesn't bother you at all have you guys seen ready player one no, not yet. Did you guys? Did you guys read the book? No, I read the no. first no. few chapters. You're, you're not missing a whole heck of a lot. I love me some Stevie Spielberg, but like that movie deals with how in the future, and it's probably true today, that like geeky knowledge is power. Geeky knowledge is like currency, and sort of the more you have, the higher your status is. And I feel like it's fun to do that stuff in certain. Regard in certain circles, if you're with your buddies, if you know that your friend knows the thing, and then he or she messes up, and you call them on, a, on a, you know what I mean, in a fun mm-hmm. way to just like rag on them or whatever, like that's fine. I, I I get the appeal of of feeling like you are 
um, deserved of a fandom or deserved to like have a place at the table because you've invested time and you love a thing. That's how I feel about cartoons and comic books. And for me, I channel that by doing research. I channel that as somebody who, when I get into a thing, like I brought my Nicktoons book because of what we're talking about today. And you, and, and I got it when it came out, I got it before, uh, I started doing the Nickelodeon animation podcast a couple years ago and, and hosting this new show for Nerdist. And I went to school for animation. But if I get into a thing, if I like a thing, I will do the research and and get into it on my own. I just watched the new Mission Impossible movie. I started watching the original 1966 Mission Impossible TV show on my own. It does not hold up, <laughs> but I'm having a good time. And it's like, and I I take that challenge, and I and I love that feeling of like, okay, if I love a thing, I want to learn as much as possible about the thing so that I can you know, know every, know it from every sort of angle and understand it. And if it's something that is easily critiqued, it is something that needs improvement. And most fandoms do. Most things that people love mm-hmm. are problematic in some way, some more than others. That's okay. Because if you know what's wrong with them, even from those other angles, and you can still sort of talk about them and talk about what you love about them, it makes them stronger. Do you know what I mean? Like if people oh, yeah. are like, like, let's talk about superheroes. I think Batman is better than Superman. I'm like, let's have this conversation. Like, I want to I want to talk about Superman. Yeah. I want to talk about Spider-Man. I want to talk about what is good and bad about these things. So I would say to people listening that it is absolutely bad to gatekeep, but it is not bad to just research and love a thing and learn all about the thing and become an expert in that thing if you want. And then if you have that, share that expertise. And then curate things for people. Like I just said, the Mission Impossible TV show, you guys aren't missing much if you don't watch it. You guys aren't missing much if you don't watch Ready Player One. But I will tell you to watch you know, this movie, this movie, this movie, or this cartoon show. As we're talking about the history of Nickelodeon, I'll be sure to be like, this cartoon show in particular is special. Yeah. Cat, cat Dog, you can probably skip it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's How all right. How dare you? But you know, if, you're not, if you haven't seen Avatar The Last Airbender... If you haven't seen Hey Arnold, like you're you're missing out on some real special stuff. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it is funny because I feel like Nickelodeon is one of those brands, one of those companies that really not only screams '90s, but mm-hmm. also it's kind of lived on beyond it. Like it's funny. I think about this a lot. I feel like online, you're seeing a lot of SpongeBob memes as of late, and yeah. a lot of these new SoundCloud rappers there. They're uh, referencing SpongeBob. Like one song I was listening to referenced Doodle Bob. And <laughs> it's funny because to think at their age, because a lot of these guys are, you know, 21 and younger. Mm-hmm. And that was the cartoon when they mm-hmm. were growing up. Like that yeah. was the one. I remember when they premiered the pilot of SpongeBob mm-hmm. after the Kids' Choice Awards. I remember seeing the first episode. So to know the longevity yeah. of shows like. SpongeBob and to see how it has such an effect that it is like the cartoon of the younger generation yeah. that they can make so many references to and it. That's what I love about a lot of this stuff too, and especially SpongeBob. SpongeBob is real unique in that. Like, I'll give you an example. There's a show that's on, uh, that's a fairly recent show called The Loud House, mm-hmm. where originally the creator's idea was to make a show about a boy bunny and his like 10 sister bunnies. They were all a family of bunnies. And when he was developing the show, one of the executives at Nickelodeon was like, consider making them human. And that was the best advice that this person got because as soon as they turned it into a show about an actual human family, they were able to connect to it more. They're able to do this and this and this. And that's great. But there's also something to a character like SpongeBob SquarePants who harkens back to a character like 
Bugs Bunny or Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or all these classic characters that technically don't have any ethnicity. Technically, kids of many, many, many different backgrounds can like attach themselves to. And I've seen this, and we talked about this with Goofy in a Goofy movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Goofy movie from 1995 is like the blackest Disney movie that Disney ever made. Mm-hmm. And there's no humans in it, yet it still has these things that are like, that speak to what it is like to be a young black American, probably. And I'm a, I'm a young Mexican American, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this from the outside perspective. But I know that like SpongeBob especially and SpongeBob memes and people have talked about this, like how is it that that uh, like black youth has latched on to what SpongeBob is. And there's been articles where, where people have talked about this and they've asked young people and they're like, well, that's because SpongeBob is black. And, you know, they'll see like their background or their ethnicity on these characters that, again, don't have one. And other people will be like, like when I was a kid, I was like, no, Goku's Mexican. Because, <laughs> because I'm watching. You watched was, it on Telemundo. I watched it on Telemundo. Yeah, 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 I watched yeah. it on Tu Canal. I watched uh-huh. it and it was Dragon Ball Zeta. And here yeah, was Dragon this, Ball this character that had brown eyes and black hair and mm-hmm. messy hair. And I'm like, this is a Mexican yeah, guy. Yeah, he loves so, eating. Like, yeah. He, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> His wife's name was Chi Chi. Yeah, mm-hmm. it all. Yeah, it all. <laughs> makes, makes sense. And, you know, and people make that joke. But today, but like, there's something to that that, like, for years, Star Wars did not have a Mexican character unless you counted Chewie. Chewbacca, who was this silent, mm-hmm. hairy guy that was good with fixing up a car. Like, that's Chewie. Everybody had a cousin Chewie. Of so, course, yeah. So you go back to SpongeBob SquarePants. You go back to, um, you know, uh, like Ren and Stimpy and and other characters from, like, other cartoons that we all grew up with, especially the Looney Tunes, especially those classic ones like Tom and Jerry. Like, a lot. if you go back and watch a lot of those sh- actual shorts and stuff, too, like, there'll be moments where they'll have Tom from Tom and Jerry, like, play like a bass, uh, like a cello, and you're like, and they're doing jazz music. And you're like, mm-hmm. whoa, is Tom black? It's like, you know, like, is Daffy D- Duck black? Like, there's really interesting things that are happening. And all we had was Speedy Gonzalez. That's all we had. Is yeah. yeah, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and horrible stereotype, but not really because he was fast. The stereotype was his cousin, Slowpoke Rodriguez. That was the stereotype. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speedy, all Mexicans love Speedy. Speedy's great. Oh, man. But I've diverted the conversation. No, no, it's fine because you you said, uh, let's go back. And you're right. We should go back. I think we should go back all the way to (laughs) December 1st, 1977, when Nickelodeon launched as Pinwheel, a channel developed by Vivian Horner. Prior to Nickelodeon's creation, most preschooler programs were very limited because they could only tune into their favorite shows on Saturday mornings. On the other hand, not only uh, had Saturday mornings to watch their favorite shows, but weekdays too, because they can watch Sesame Streets. For preschoolers and grown-ups in Columbus, Ohio, they had a new television system called Cube. Q-U-B-E. <laughs> yeah, did you actually know, Hector, that Nickelodeon started back in 1977? I didn't. I knew... I thought it started in the 90s. Yeah, same. Oh, yeah. I, because I, because it, Nickelodeon, as we know it today, started with Nicktoons. Yeah. Uh, started with, you know, the cable channel that aired three cartoon shows. Yes, it was the big three. The big three, which were Ren and Stimpy, Doug, and Rugrats. Yes. Yes. And in doing my research uh, as a young person and to now, like, I did learn, like, oh, yeah, Nickelodeon was a thing. And a lot of people remember, but I don't remember... Nickelodeon was a channel called Pinwheel before it was Nickelodeon, and Nickelodeon was around since the 80s, and it was kind of like a preschool, sort of a kids programming channel. And uh, But it's nuts. But again, to me, Nickelodeon was always the cartoons, and then they sort of branched off and did other stuff, which we'll talk about later, things like Nick at Night and all you know, live action programming and all that stuff. But for me, it did, it did begin with 1991, the three original 
Nicktoons. Well, actually, Nick at Night came before those three. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah. so like if he was saying they launched Pinwheel and then Pinwheel in on April first, nineteen seventy nine, Pinwheel relaunched as Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. So then in nineteen eighty four, Nickelodeon started showing advertisements. On October eighth of nineteen eighty four, they introduced their famous Splat logo. Mm-hmm. And then on July first, nineteen eighty five, Nick at Night was launched. Mm-hmm. And Nick became a 24-hour service, which is true. Yeah, that's actually – I remember now, um, you know, even in the 90s, watching the cartoons, and then I could stay up and watch Nick at Night, like maybe an episode or something. Do you mm-hmm. remember some of the lineup for Nick at Night? I mean, by the time I had – because here's the thing. I did not have cable when Nickelodeon first premiered. Mm-hmm. I was a poor little boy. It was one of these things where I didn't get cable until later, yeah. until like the mid to late 1990s. So by the time I got Nickelodeon and Nick at Night – they were already doing stuff like maybe maybe I'm thinking it was too early, but I feel like even like Fresh Prince of Bel Air was oh, on yeah. there at Nick at Night at one mm-hmm. point. But I, re- I remember stuff like I Love Lucy was on yep. there. Yes, yeah. so that, that that's was the first. Yeah. That's what I remember. I got yeah. lucky because my dad was the manager of our apartment complex, mm. and for some reason that meant that he got free cable from the company, <laughs> and so. I remember it would end, and the first thing that would pop on was I Dream of Genie, and yeah. then I, oh my I Love Lucy. And yes. so sometimes I would like actually watch it, and that's kind of how I got introduced to those older mm-hmm. shows was I, because. I usually checked out. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as Nick at Night came on, the sort of reruns of live action stuck, because I was, I was obsessed with cartoons. Oh, yeah. That was usually my indication. It's like, okay, it's time to go to bed. But I do remember later when they would get sitcoms like like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air mm-hmm. and, and other like really good sitcoms from Full Nick. House, I believe. Full, all that uh-huh. stuff was on Nick and I. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it was, but it was great because, yeah, those are the huge staples. And I think what's great is out of the three shows that launch, you know, Rugrats, Doug, and the Ren and Stimpy show, mm-hmm. I feel like the Ren and Stimpy show was nothing like the other two. Like, <laughs> I, you know, and, but also like Doug... I mean, there are some similarities between Doug and Rugrats, but even Doug versus Rugrats, those were super different shows also. I feel oh, like yeah. those were based off of kind of like their viewership. You have your very young viewers. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. August 11th of 1991 is when Rugrats, Doug, and Ren and Stimpy first premiered. So you have, by then I was three, I think. So yeah. So you have your three to five-year-olds, you know, or your elementary school kids, they're going to watch or resonate the most with Rugrats. Yep. You have your middle schoolers who, even though I watch Doug, but probably middle schoolers, high schoolers, you know, are going to resonate with Doug. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Ren and Stimpy show, which is like your high schoolers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and older are going to resonate with that. So I think they kind of did it smart. It was very smart. I mean, go, going back to the beginning of Nickelodeon, even before the three Nicktoons premiered, I know that there was a story about how, like, in the mid to late 80s, when they were trying to figure out the branding of the network, they brought in people from MTV that had recently sort of, like, solidified, like, like I want my MTV. Like, they designed the logo. Like, they turned MTV into what it was. And they brought Nickelodeon from the lowest in the ratings to the top. And one of the things they apparently did is they held focus groups with kids. And a thing that they learned was, like, you cannot put on a show – that kids think is for babies. And anything that a kid, no matter what age they are, if anything is, like if the, if a if a child one year younger than them watches a thing, then the show is for babies. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So like a six-year-old will be next to a five-year-old, and if a five-year-old likes the thing, the six-year-old's like, this show's for babies. I don't want to watch this anymore. So those kinds of thinking were going into 
the the choosing and the picking and choosing of like what shows they were going to make as cartoon shows and that kind of explains how Rugrats came to be because Rugrats I love because it was a show that I would get sucked into even though it was literally about babies mm-hmm. and as a child I do remember that there were times where I was like wait is this for like taught like should I not be watching this but it sucked me in because it was like ugly yeah. and beautiful yeah. and crude and the humor and was the humor i mean dr dr lipschitz was the yeah. was the child psychiatrist that they were always listening to had all this innuendo and all these jokes and and angelica's mom angelica's <laughs> was an alcoholic yeah right or was and then her yeah. and then her um always yelling at jonathan her assistant and then mm-hmm. angelica herself just being a Ugh. diva brat and then hated her. um stew <laughs> and lou yep they had a lot of like adult humor between them mm-hmm. um yeah but it's like it's like when you think why would because here's the thing I was thinking about this on the drive over when you say names of brands when you say names of like studios or TV channels that you recognize as a kid when I say things like Disney Warner Brothers Looney Tunes Hanna Barbera Nintendo you can kind of visualize what all these things sort of are you know Muppets Jim Henson Sesame Street uh, and if I say Nickelodeon. You kind of know what that is too, even though from the very beginning the people at Nickelodeon say, were saying we have no specific house style. Yeah. You know, they they sort of approach each one of their shows that they greenlight as like we don't know what we're looking for until we see it. Kind of, there usually you usually isn't mandates of like, well, you know, we're looking for an action show or we're looking for a comedy show. Usually there isn't. They're very creator driven, and eventually the 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 process at Nickelodeon, as far as I know, kind of from an outsider looking in. I mean, I interned there for a, a summer, and I and I sort of worked there when I was doing the um, Nickelodeon Animation podcast. Is that they would have certain artists and creators working on one show, and then they have an opportunity to pitch stuff later. The creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, Steve Hillenburg, he worked on Rocco's Modern Life. The creator of Avatar: The Last Airbender and then The Legend of Korra, one of the creators, Brian Konitzko, he worked on Invader Zim. So it's this thing where like these artists are encouraged to like go home and work on stuff and if they have stuff to go and pitch it and so so it's like there's no Nickelodeon style and yet there is. Yeah. And those first three cartoons, you can look at I think basically every Nicktoon, except for a couple here and there, one of them kind of being Avatar, and you can point to seeds being planted in either Ren and Stimpy, Doug, or Rugrats. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And Rugrats especially is like I mean Ren and Stimpy is but all of them especially. Doug later influenced Hey Arnold and things like as told mm-hmm, by Ginger and sure. all this, you know, all these kinds of things. But Rugrats was like that Klasky Chupo style, that ugliness, mm-hmm. that crudeness. Like that was so appealing to us as kids. And it was not a Disney beautiful stuff. It goes against with this type of stuff you learn in art school. Yeah. If, if you're trying to design appealing characters, they are not appealing. Yeah. And oh, yeah. They are. Well, what's also so interesting is everything about that show was pretty disruptive. If you think of the theme song where it was like, Doon, 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 doon. Like it's not yep. an actual melody. It's yep. almost, if you, it's like uncomfortable. Yeah. But mm-hmm. as kids, we've grown to love it. And the it's fa- funny you, you bring up the music too. Like yeah. Doug, kind of similar. It had a very like, do, 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 do. It was nice, but it was all mouth sounds. Yeah. Which was weird and cool and new. And then Ren and Stimpy was like, like very disruptive and very loud, loud. And it just set the stage for like these shows have way different styles Mm -hmm. than the things that you're used to. It's so funny that you bring up that Doug kind of laid the groundwork for Hey Arnold because Mm -hmm. Doug, I felt like Doug, that whole series is kind of like really smooth. Mm -hmm. And that's how Hey Arnold is. Mm -hmm. 
as well. And kind of this like non-confrontational character that's really intelligent and yeah. kind of shy. I was always mad at Doug when I was a kid because I was like, he never does homework. I was like, I'm in middle school and I get homework. I have to go home and work on this crap and I can't go and just like hang out and go to concerts. Yeah. And Doug, can, like this show is unrealistic because he never had homework. Killer Tofu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um, what was the name of his band? Uh, uh, the Beat. The, no. Yeah. Well, the Beats. The, the Beats. beats. The, the Beats, be- the right? The Beats was the name of like the famous band. Yeah. yeah. And I forget what Doug's band name I need more allowance, yo, lay. Well, I see, could do this all I was day. mad at Doug <laughs> for a completely different reason because I was like, why hasn't he just like clocked Roger Clocks? Like, <laughs> I, was, like I was team body yeah. that dude very early on. Like Absolutely. Skeeter was never any backup. You know, he was mm-hmm. just there. Uh, and that was like the first kind of rendition of like race without race because yeah, the characters yes. on Doug didn't really, they were just, different colors but everyone's like oh skeeter's black and skeeter's dad was so Mm -hmm. like just the coding and the design of skeeter's dad Mm -hmm. i was like oh no this is straight up a black dad i'm looking at a bunch of uh different characters right now from the from the show and like patty main like yeah they weren't supposed to have skin tones but doug funny just happens to be light peach yeah and his parents happen to be sort of tanned and then you have characters like skeeter who were like blue but everybody like you said clearly black Every, everyone was like like Skeeter's black Roger was like a rich white kid or yeah. eventually he became rich but he was like a poor like bully kid uh-huh, who was like a yeah. white kid he reminds me of Sid mm-hmm. from Toy Story mm-hmm. Patty Mayonnaise was like like a tanned skin you know maybe like probably she's probably white because she had a very like kind of a southern accent I don't know if she I don't remember yeah. if she was a new kid or whatever but but this show was the Swedish show and as a kid, it was sometimes difficult for me to connect to it, but I did love the show because it did actually teach me lessons. And years later, when I actually got to meet the creator, Jim Jenkins, he's one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my life. He has this like Mr. Rogers quality yeah. to him. He's just like a nice guy that I'm like, oh, of course, Doug was the way that it was. Like, it's such a nice show because yeah. Jim is nice. Like, and that's what it was about. And it was great. And I think the beautiful thing about all this is like, we just kind of like picked and choose what we thought everyone was mm-hmm. and there's probably someone listening who's losing their mind because it's like no i doug was like yeah. you know indian american yeah. and <laughs> roger was latino and of course like, he was <laughs> of course they were, <laughs> they were whatever but, you want but like yeah you're right i really related to doug because i was a kid who doodled a lot and i wanted to make comics yeah. so he had quail man and yeah. i was like that was always very cool to me mm-hmm. uh and i really resonate we've we've sat in this because we're in our nostalgia corner because this is like our show mm-hmm. but uh let's talk about snick so in 1992 uh, almost a year later nick went ahead and launched a primetime block called snick which was saturday night nickelodeon which would go snick on to be just housing so much it had mm-hmm. you know, eventually action. are you afraid of the dark we had all that you had Nick News, which I thought, you know, yeah, that show was really ahead of its time. It was. And I think back on it, and it blows my mind that something like that isn't around now. Mm-hmm. Because it was a show that, you know, it would talk, it wasn't like slanted anyway. It talked more about world issues, but like it kept kids grounded because you're talking about what's going on in the rest of the world, other problems. And like, I remember, uh, I forget her name, but there was like- Linda Ellerbee? Yes. She was such a neutral, calm voice that Mm -hmm. it just kind of pulled you in. And just remembering that and just seeing the impact of like just a Saturday wrap up Mm -hmm. of world news to go like, hey, you're watching all this stuff. You're probably having fun. Why don't you take a peek on what's going on all around the world? I would love it if they brought that back. Yeah, for sure. 
Also, I was going to say, because you brought up all that, and a lot of people talk about growing up with sketch comedy as far as SNL, but Mm -hmm. dude, the kids on all that killed. Oh, yeah. When you think back to them being like 13 years old and doing sketch comedy. In front of live audience. In front of a live audience. Mm -hmm. They were so talented. Mm -hmm. So talented. And Amanda Bynes, as much as people, you know, give her crap now she was amazing and then she went on to have her own show Mm -hmm. but she was so young and so good and obviously that spinned off into keenan and kel which gave us a good burger yes and uh we are going to get into all of that right after the break Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. And we are back. Join here with Hector Navarro. Ahoy, ahoy. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, if you had some things that you wanted to to say about all that. Well, it's so funny because, you know, you do go back and you're kind of like, this is a very kid-centric sketch show. But some of the writers on the show turned out to be some big names in the past. So you had Amy Berg, who I think is one of the most outspoken outspoken television writers on Twitter right now. She did a dope guide for people's first writings. Oh, right, right, right. And Neil Brennan, who went on to create The Chappelle wow. Show, wrote wow. for all that. He went from all that to creating The Chappelle Show. It, it, and wow. it's so wild to see just the jump from these writers and and how like when you think about it can you if you were to watch both all that and Chappelle's show and be like same dude yeah <laughs> you would That's probably crazy. lose your mind and then i feel like the breakout star or ended up being the sort of breakout success in the long run not in the short yeah. run but in the long run it was keenan thompson mm-hmm. yeah keenan who in a lot of ways graduated to saturday night live and i remember when he got on snl i was like Holy crap, that's Keenan. Yeah. From all that, from Good Burger, from mm-hmm. Nickelodeon, like, and he maybe made it. Like, he's going to yeah. do comedy for the rest of his life. Cause a lot of the actors on that show, a lot of the kid actors, like, they either didn't pursue it for the rest of their career or they did and didn't find as much success or retired or for various reasons. Like, you know, when you're a kid actor, like, uh, are you going to go to college and do something else or do you want to keep acting or, 
whatever. And it was awesome to see Keenan actually make it. I remember there was an episode of SNL where Shia LaBeouf hosted. Yeah. And he stood up next to Keenan during the monologue and he was like, we made it, man. We made it. Disney, Nickelodeon, Disney, Nickelodeon. <laughs> and Keenan was like not having it as part of the bit. He's like, yeah, yeah man. Okay. Yeah. Great. But, um, like Keenan, like I love Keenan. He's real hit and miss with me sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes his skits are hysterical and I love them. And other times I'm like, this isn't working for me. It's like a little yeah. too silly. And sometimes still watching Keenan to this day, I can still see a little bit of Keenan and Kel, oh, all yeah. that, of his sort of like delivery and his like, especially when he has that like smile on his face where he knows he's he's being funny. Yeah. Or he's like, tr- mm-hmm. you know, trying to be funny. Like when I was a kid, I was real, I was real snobby about all that. I didn't like the show. And I didn't understand why. And I never rooted against anybody in the show. I know that, you know, when I was a kid, I was absolutely jealous of those, like, other 13-year-olds that got to – can you imagine, like, you know, where did they shoot it? Was it in Hollywood or was it in Florida? It was in In Florida. Florida, I think. In front of a live studio audience. Used to say it after all of their shows. At Universal Studios or Nickelodeon Uh Studios, whatever it was called. And I was super jealous and I would love that job. But I remember sometimes some sketches worked for me, some didn't. Sometimes it was crossover. Keenan Thompson as a kid did a sketch with Chris Farley. Yeah. Chris Farley showed up and they both played the crazy chefs where where Keenan loved chocolate on everything yeah, and Farley oh wanted wanted ketchup on everything. Yeah. And as a kid, since I knew who Chris Farley was, my mind was blown. I'm like, this guy gets to do a sketch with Chris Farley. And, and, and I think Farley, he may have passed away like not a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it was this crazy thing. But, but when I was a kid, all that sometimes was tough for me. And then years later, I, I tried to, I think I learned, I'm like, I think it's because in classic Saturday Night Live sketches, which at the time is sort of what I thought all comedy was, mm-hmm. or any good sketch today, there's always there's always kind of one element that's out of the ordinary, one crazy character or one crazy idea or theme or whatever. And everybody else is kind of playing a grounded reality. Like there's, you know, and they're yeah. like a voice of reason or like a straight man. Sometimes in all that sketches, there would be like two or three or four crazy, oh, like, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. you know, characters. And there was, it was tough to like, to like bring it back down. So absurd. Because yeah. it was so absurd. Kel's uh, repair man, 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 man. Oh, gosh. oh my God. Yeah, you was, know, like in Pierre Escargot, yeah. Keenan's Pierre Escargot, <laughs> just like him trying to do French yeah. accents in a bathtub. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, but the alumni was pretty good. I mean, there's some, like, deep-cut alumni that I didn't know. Like, it's season six, Gabriel Iglesias was part of the cast. I remember that. Uh, And, you know, uh, Nick Cannon was one of the biggest ones who came out of it. Yep. Keenan Thompson, we just talked about him. Lori Beth Denberg went on to the Steve Harvey show, and then Mm -hmm. she did a few work after that. I actually was in the big Freedom music video with her. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then you had, like, Amanda Bynes, even though, you know, she kind of... Fell off a bit, but like she was like she Josh did Easy Server, A, mm-hmm. who's my neighbor. <laughs> awesome! Shout out to Josh. So it no. was like, yeah. wow, this was also like brewing talent. And you're right, as someone who like all his life wanted to act, yeah. this was the main source of my seething jealousy of like how. <laughs> Do I do this? And you have this Nigerian father who has, one, doesn't want me to act. Yeah. Two, doesn't know how. Yeah. And, you know, my mom, she's from the South. You know, she she also doesn't have any clue to where to send me. But I that's all I wanted to. I would watch these kids. And I was yeah. like, if I just had one shot. It's inspiring. To, yeah. It was inspiring, you know. like 100%. It, and, and I love so many of those classic sketches and, and uh 
yeah, Amanda Bynes was my favorite when I was a kid. So that when she got her own show and then later was showing up mm-hmm. in movies, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like she was like the best on the show. Like she was fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's so weird listening to y'all talk about this is that you both saw them and like, I want to be them. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird because I feel like growing up for me, it was a little bit different. I didn't really see Latinas on screen at all, yep. at all, at all. And for me, it was more like, oh, I want to date them or I want to marry them. <laughs> no, that's funny, but that's like how we're raised. It's like, you need to find a good husband. Yeah, you need a husband. And so true. I grew up wanting to marry these guys mm-hmm. and then realizing when I was in college-ish, like, oh no, I'm my own thing. Yeah, like, yeah. And you, would, you didn't want to marry like members of NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. You wanted to marry, you wanted to marry the cast members. Of I <laughs> wanted to marry Brian from Backstreet Boys, 100%. Mm-hmm. I also had a crush on Max Goof. Uh, uh, as you do, because uh-huh. he was a smooth teenager. I was very sexually confused by that, uh, having a crush on a dog. One of my ex-girlfriends told me that she had a crush on SpongeBob SquarePants when she was little. That's a bit much. And told like classmates, like, oh, he's my boyfriend. Like, SpongeBob is my boyfriend. Yeah. And I think that's- <laughs> I call I him thought, Bob. Uh, yeah, I thought it was like real cute and real funny that like, because uh, she went on to do comedy and stuff like that. And I think it's real funny that- um, you had a thing for Max Goof mm-hmm. that that she had a thing for SpongeBob. Like, there's something about it's because SpongeBob was like good and very funny. Yeah, I don't know. That's I think that's really interesting. I know it is funny how like yeah, you, for you to fall for like someone like Max mm-hmm. or SpongeBob, it has to be their good personality f- features. Where someone like Lola Bunny is like, oh no, she was drawn as yeah. a sexy <laughs> rabbit, and that's why we were yeah. like, yeah, I, that's my girl. Yeah. Or like Jessica Rabbit, mm-hmm. like you right, know? right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's just you know, once again, that you know, all the little ways that uh, yep. <laughs> the patriarchy is in work. Yep. Um, I did want to say uh, before we fully move on, I just had two points I needed to make in the ni- in 1990. Um, like we were saying, Nickelodeon Studios opened at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. So that's where they filmed a lot of their live stuff. And then also in 1990, Nick Magazine mm-hmm. launched. You remember those commercials? I do. Good oh. Lord. Like just begging. I'm sure that the everybody. The bane would... of parents' existence yes. everywhere. To just Nick Magazine. Hear their kid just like, God, Mom, Dad, Order can, Nick I Magazine. It? can I have it? Can I get it? Can I have yeah. it? So did, it, did either of you get them? No. No. I did. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Because it, you know when they, they <laughs> I get it now and I still fall for these traps every time when it's like, sign up, we're giving you a free mm-hmm. magazine. Mm-hmm. And so my dad was like, he got it and he was like, okay, pick the magazine and right there. Nick was Nick Mag mm. for free, and I got to get it, and I that was the one I would wait every month for it. Mm-hmm. It it like drove my childhood because it was it, a good like, magazine. Yeah, it was like good magazine had like little tongue twisters. It also gave you like the celeb updates for all the stars all on right. Nick. <laughs> oh my gosh! When I, yeah, when I was a kid, my mom and dad would frequently get me Disney Adventures, which were like little <laughs> yeah. magazine yeah, I digest. That. All I got magazines. were highlights. And and I, I really I didn't want Nick magazine as much as I think Zoo Books. That was the other commercial when I was a kid <laughs> yeah. where it's like, Oh my god, there's thirteen of them. Oh, like man. and it was like I never got it. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. I got close to Zoo Books. I mm-hmm. got my dad to fill out the form <laughs> during a book fair. Wow. And then at the last second he was like, No. Yeah. <laughs> Just go to the library. Yeah. Uh yeah. but yeah, I don't want to skip over Good Burger because you mentioned it and that was a Ooh, moment in Nick history because we went from not only because I like the parallels between all that and SNL, and this mm-hmm. was one of the biggest steps that 
mm-hmm. happened in SNL is where a sketch is so popular. Yes, it, it turns becomes into a movie. movie. Blues and Brothers, that, Coneheads, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. in the 90s, it was Wayne's World. Yep. That's what it was all about, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, even stuff like Night at the Roxbury. Eventually, yep. uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, The Ladies' it, Man, It's mm-hmm. Pat, Stuart Saves His Family, and my maybe my personal favorite, MacGruber. But uh, <laughs> uh, I love the, yeah, I love that when Goodberger made that leap. And again, it just speaks to like Nickelodeon when they were sort of on top of everything. They were branching out. They're trying to do live action sketch shows. They're trying to do news programs. They're doing Nick at Night programming. They're doing a magazine. They're doing a studio in 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 Universal uh, down in Florida. They're doing a, a movie. And eventually that led to, you know, there were other Nickelodeon movies based on their cartoon properties. Yep. Um, you know, I think Nick Nick Games is a thing, is another branch of, of Nickelodeon as a whole. Like, you know, in, like interactive video games eventually became a thing. The magazine we talked about. Uh, Nick.com was a big website when we were kids. Like, it's cool that they were branching out to just do other stuff, that they weren't just like content with like, no, we just have original cartoons and we're a cable channel and that's it. Like they're trying to do other stuff. And I think that it helped cement them as being parts of our childhood and also just being like a relevant and important brand to this day. So, yeah. So Good Burger came out in 1997 and is still one of my favorite films from my childhood. I yeah. always, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm always pitching a good burger too. Yeah. I think we just need Keenan <laughs> to come yeah. back. Like I'm sure Kel is is down. Mm-hmm. And also yeah. I just want to say I've read interviews with Kel, who also auditioned for SNL, yep. but um said that he had a weird audition that he took a risk and it didn't it didn't really pay off. But he is the nicest man. I have friends that mm-hmm. that um have performed on shows with him. He still does stand up and he said in this interview about how people like waiters, whenever they, they see him when he's ordering, they're like, Oh, do you want orange soda? Yeah. You know, like they'll say that and he'll be like, yeah, sure. Like, and because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to ruin, cause that was such an important part of their childhood that he, yeah. <laughs> when he goes to restaurants, he's not like, no, like just, you know, mm-hmm. give me my beer or whatever. I love that. He is like, yeah. And he, he's like, they'll bring me orange soda. And, and I like also order something else, but like <laughs> he doesn't turn it down because he just likes seeing how excited people are that they yeah. still remember his character. Man, I loved him in mystery, man. He was so funny. In oh that. my God. So yes. Mystery S- man heavily S- slept on. Also Amazing. ahead of its time. Yeah. Also ahead of its oh, time. Oh yeah. What's what's your pitch for Good Burger Two, Danny? Can you share it now? Oh do you my gosh. Share it or no? Um. We don't have time. No, we don't have time. <laughs> I'll we'll have to do like a whole thing on on all that. Which is another thing I wanted to say. Like we didn't even really have full. We might do a full episode on something like Ren and Stimpy because right, we don't actually get to talk. This is about the, yeah it the way that we did with like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah, right. and things this that like it, it had a picture. comic like my dad yeah. used to buy me yeah. the Ren and Stimpy comics mm-hmm. which you it, know and it's so like grotesque and I probably shouldn't have had it when I was seven but you then know we have that reboot that was woo yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oof. Yeah, yeah that was weird and then yeah. their creator got uh, outed John as Chris being a Felicia. very oh, very yeah, bad yeah. person yeah yeah uh, uh, who had a sixteen year old girlfriend mm-hmm. at a time yeah. oh uh, really. Yeah, oh yeah. yes, Hector. Thing, yeah. He actually, his lawyer, like, came out with a statement saying, "Yes, there was a period of time when he, as an adult man, had a sixteen-year-old girlfriend when he was mm-hmm. working at the studio, and it's a lot." Um, yeah. so I'm just gonna yeah. say yeah, that yeah, for the yeah, Ren yeah, and yeah. Stimpy episode. Maybe, maybe we'll skip that episode, <laughs> or maybe we'll skip it, uh, <laughs> or not. I mean, you know, we can't just stray. I, I would just like to say too that if there's people listening to this right now and they're like. They're kind of going back and remembering certain stuff that they grew up on or they haven't had a chance to check out Nickelodeon like currently or, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody talks about the 90s being the golden age. And I think there's there's two reasons why that happens. Number one, 
I think people our age just kind of did stop watching cartoons at a certain. So they yeah. did sort of miss on a bunch of cartoons, kind of around after Invader Zim and beyond, and then maybe Avatar: The Last Airbender broke through, and they checked that out as a cartoon watcher. But I think number two is I think that there is some truth to to Nickelodeon being in its golden age in the '90s because they were so all about taking risks at least True. as far as their yeah. cartoons were concerned, that well, it's kind of weird to make your whole business model around taking a risk because if they would do that later and it didn't pay out, then people are like, well, that's not like Nickelodeon enough. And it's like, well, they're trying to take a risk. And sometimes if they played it safe because they're a huge business, then it wouldn't be Nickelodeon enough. So I would just say to people listening to this right now, again, I encourage you to, if you feel like watching some of these shows again, go back and watch them. Yeah. Go go and do the research. Go go get book or you know, just look online and, yeah. and do this kind of Nickelodeon research about the history of the company because it is fascinating and really cool. Dude, I bought a season of All Real Monsters. Yeah. That was my favorite Nickelodeon yeah. show. Oh, yeah, that got was canceled great. way too early. It only that had was four such seasons. A good concept. And low key kind of was yeah. like I mean Premiered in ninety four. It was before Monsters no. Inc. It was very Monsters mm-hmm. Inc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right. so good and funny and I love it. And uh that yeah, that premiered in nineteen ninety four and Rocco's Modern Life was a Rocco's year Modern before, Life, 93. of course. Which we Rock- didn't when we found out that he's a sex call worker like <laughs> yeah, those yeah. are things that ooh baby ooh baby that yeah. when you go back and watch it as an adult you're like yeah. oh crap uh they were sliding things in here well, they were- <laughs> yeah because i think it was the fun thing of like trying to especially when you with shows like ren and stimpy and i think that's why the reboot was not mm-hmm. as great as mm-hmm. the original was the constraint of trying to see what you can get away with yes while still making it acceptable for children without going full-on crass and yeah. disgusting because if you do yeah. that then it's not as and funny it's not as yeah fun. it's not as yeah. funny so but uh, you were saying how you know people look at the 90s of the golden age because you you know all the animation and i do think you have a point because we when we get to the late 90s and the early aughts we start having the live action shows your ned's declassified school books your mm-hmm. different stuff and also in 1999 they launched noggin which was a big point because Degrassi was there. Mm-hmm. We can jump into all of that fun stuff right after these messages. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. 
For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. we're back so i don't want to move on without talking about some more of the really iconic live action slash like competition shows that we had which was legends of the hidden temple mm-hmm. that yeah. was something that i did want to compete in i always was wondering like am i gonna see someone from my school yeah on this <laughs> you never um, did for some reason <laughs> i know because maybe because they were actors yeah, yeah, yeah. uh global guts guts yeah. so right? yeah legends of the hidden temple the first episode aired on September 11th of 1993, mm. and uh, you also have uh, Guts, which aired September 19th of 1992. So a year after Guts, they did Legend of the Hidden Temple. Fun fact, Michael Malley, who was the presenter, he's still out here. He actually is the uh, creator of the show Survivor's Remorse on, uh, I-, I think, formerly Survivor's Remorse. I don't think it's on the air right now, but that's the show that he made with LeBron that was kind of like based off of LeBron's life. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, so he's like still out here making some dope moves. Yeah. And it's funny to see how like, as funny with like the Neil Brennan thing, and now you have mm-hmm. like he went, the stuff he works on is 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 so crazy when you think that, you know, he went from guts yeah. to, you know, Working with LeBron James. Yeah. No, those game shows were awesome. People... Yeah, and I don't know if you, y'all know, but Double Dare, which was with Mark Summers, actually first aired in 1986. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, that's that, that that's means it 31 was... 31 years old. Yeah. And also back, of course, the iconic green slime. That's the slime. This, there we go. That's what book is covered in. It actually <laughs> first came out during a skit that they did back in 1979 where a kid is chained up for detention in a dungeon and he's told not to pull on his shackles and when he does a toilet flushes and the signature green slime comes down and then that was a great gag that they then mm-hmm. later used throughout Nickelodeon but also at their Kids Choice Awards oh, and, yeah. and getting slimed was an honor. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I I love the Kids Choice Awards when I was a kid. It was like the Oscars but for kids and you know and and, and, and like you said if they would air cool stuff right after like yeah. the pilot episode of SpongeBob and and I had a chance to go to a taping of the Kids Choice Awards yeah. and it is insane. Yeah, I went as well. So this year Ishmael Saheed mm-hmm. of White Women mm-hmm. is on a Nickelodeon show called Cousins for Life. Mm-hmm. And so I get a text from him and goes for those who don't know Ishmael is a very quiet dude and mm-hmm. he's very he's like mopey. All the time. And he was like, hey, Ify, you want to come to the Kids' Choice Awards? And I was like, 100%, yeah. a million times, yes. And not only was I the Kids' Choice, I was the VIP. That's and so they, cool. And I, I had the nosebleed seat, yeah. so I was way up in the back. Yeah, so yeah. I was the VIP in the back with all their s- snacks. And it was wild because you'd see all these kids who I felt bad because I didn't recognize mm-hmm. any of them because they were like, current Nickelodeon right. stars. And then you had uh Kevin Bacon. Ben, the Rock. Ben Schwartz. Ben yes. Hur. Ben so, Schwartz. So yeah, our buddy Ben Schwartz, he Who's it was so Ninja funny Turtle because now. I'll tell you my whole experience. I walked in there, I get my badge and uh they remembered me because I just got done doing my blues clues audition. I was like, <laughs> oh please don't remember that because it went whack <laughs> it was not the like basically they i guess had the voice actor for blue in there while mm-hmm. i'm doing it i didn't know i'm doing my lines she does the blue signs i physically jump back 
And they're like, okay, let's move on to the next scene. I was like, wait, we don't want to take that back? I literally got shocked by what is supposed to be my co-star. So anyway, did not get that. But they're like, oh, yeah, if you just came in for that. Did she scare you? Was she like, bop, bop, bop? Yes, that like, is huh? the exact huh? sound she made. And I was like, because, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, you know, they're just going to be like, all right, you're just reacting to your mm -hmm. imagination. In retrospect, that's a good thing uh, to actually have something to react to anyway. So we get there and Ishmael has to walk the orange carpet with his fake family. Mm -mm. And I was like, yo, we got to do it together. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's like, this is my moment. And I was like, all right, I understand. I really wanted to walk the orange carpet, though. I will remember this for the rest of my well, life. You will get to, um, I'm sure. Never. I will not be on a Nick show, probably. <laughs> I, you know, who I knows? I feel like you could. Who knows? We'll see. So then they we were we were hanging out in the backstage and I'm looking around and I see all these kids. Also, I dress down, okay? Because I was thinking That's what you do. Well, yeah, cuz I was like I might get slimed. So let me dress down. True, true. These kids are fresh to death, looking fresher than me. So now I'm yep. mad. I was like I yep. knew I should have worn my good gear. But I'm like I was like these I'm talking about these kids are wearing off white. These kids are wearing like Yeezys. They're yep. bape. And I was like I got all this. I would have been impressing these kids, but now I'm looking like a like a herb Standing over here in my like dress down, I was so salty. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I'm sitting. Did you there. even get slimed? No, of course not. Why would yeah, they slime well, you? Exactly. He... Yeah, I was looking I'm gonna, in retrospect. Gonna slime famous people. Just this. Well, also like they slime. There's all these kids, so it would literally look weird if there was like all these kids in big old iffy. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're slimed. Anyway. I'm looking around. I was like, I don't know anyone. And yeah. then I see Ben, and I'm like, Hey, buddy! And I was like, Wait, what are you doing mm -hmm. here? Because it was before they like officially announced it. Oh. Uh, I mean, they announced it, but like only if you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Oh, I'm a Ninja Turtle. And then Omar Gooding was there as mm -hmm. well. And I was like, This is tight because one, you're a Ninja Turtle. Two. Omar Gooden is that guy. Mm -hmm. I used to watch him all the time. Yeah. Um, and then long story slow, I didn't get slimed, but the, you know, it was fun. Must have been fun. I wish I got slimed. Yeah. Yeah. We still got to get slimed, y'all. <laughs> when are we going to do it? I bet all of us will. Well, I technically have been slimed. Come Not on, officially guys. slimed. I did a, it was this like turf company. They did this Facebook live kind mm -hmm. of event where we did like a double dare type event and we actually had the uh who's the host of double dare again mark summers yeah mm -hmm. mark summers actually came out and like did it and they and so like they did the one event where there's the balloon filled with slime mm -hmm. and you have to pop the most balloons when i say i wrecked that when i say that all that energy i had as a kid and I was like, I need to be out there. Mm -hmm. I had something to prove. Mm -hmm. And me and the 20 people who were watching that Turf Company's Facebook Live video <laughs> knows that I'm the real G. I mm -hmm. didn't get to walk the orange carpet, but now I'm going to get slimed. <laughs> Good for you, Effie. Yeah, you know, so I got slimed up. It's, it's nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, so then, uh, yeah, so we have July 17th of 1999. Oof. Yes, this is the where, big one. Where, yeah, that is when SpongeBob SquarePants mm -hmm. officially premiered. So for all of us like older people, I mean, SpongeBob is their moneymaker. Oh, yeah. SpongeBob, yep. I think to the, it says, as of late 2017, SpongeBob has generated $13 billion in merchandising revenue for Nickelodeon. It's so funny because like you were saying for us, it's like, oh, no, it's Rugrats. And we, we grew up with like Ren and Stimpy. Mm -hmm. No, SpongeBob. Hey, yeah, SpongeBob needs more credit 
for everything that it's done for mm-hmm. that and how long it's been because it's still running right Hector mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I think as of right now it is and if if it's not they're at least doing another movie was there a time when Tom Kenny who's the voice of the famous mm-hmm. voice of Spongebob did he drop out or peace out or like I thought he no. wanted to peace out but then they were like well you can't do this without him no I think the thing about Tom that that people might not know is uh, I had a chance to talk to him for the Nick podcast and he said that he tried out for SNL and made it in the top three. Oh, and he was beat out, I think, by like David Keenan and no, Rob <laughs> Schneider. This oh, okay. was back in like the mid to early nineties. Oh wow! And he, so he, he, he got beaten out by two out of the top three spots. So he couldn't get it because it only had two spots or whatever. And he goes on to talk about how devastated he was by that because when you're a comedian, when you're yeah. a stand-up comic, that is the end goal. If you don't make that, what then? Right. And I know athletes deal with the same thing where like if they don't win the World Series, if they don't win the World Cup, you know, this kind of like horrifically depressing, um, uh, devastating thing happens. But Tom goes on to describe it like if he had gotten SNL, he wouldn't have gotten SpongeBob SquarePants. He wouldn't have been there. He wouldn't have been in the room. Right. And ultimately, he always wanted to do a thing like SpongeBob. SpongeBob and voice acting was his dream job. That was the end goal. Mm-hmm. And so he has always loved doing the character and being the character as far as I know. I don't know if there was ever a time where him or anybody else in the cast didn't want to do it. I mean, that cast is just insane. You've got Bill Fagerbaki who does Patrick Starr, who is underrated as a smart, dumb character. Yeah. It is tough to play a dumb character. And Bill, like, Patrick is like next level. Then you've got Clancy Brown, Clancy Brown from The Highlander, from the voice of Lex Luthor from the DC animated universe, like who's got this amazing voice who sounds like this. He's Mr. Krabs. And he loves doing Mr. Krabs because he <laughs> loves to like surprise kids <laughs> and people once they learn that he is Mr. Krabs. Mm-hmm. That's like his favorite character that he does. And he's this this he has this incredibly imposing, like very intimidating, super nice, but like intimidating guy. He's got this great presence. And he's the voice of Mr. Krabs. So it's like yeah, I mean, there was stuff that came before SpongeBob. The, to round out the rest of the '90s, it was Hey Arnold, Kablam was another Kablam show was, that I uh, loved as a kid. Was like a sketch show yeah. as well, yeah. live action elements. I mean, Kablam was the kids' robot chicken before it. Yes. yes, yes, it was. Angry Beavers was also a lot oh, of fun. Yes. Those oh two my characters. Gosh. And Angry Beavers, one of those voice actors, uh, went on to voice Invader Zim. So again, yep. they're kind mm-hmm. of you know reusing their very talented cast. Cat Dog premiered in 1998, a year before SpongeBob. And Tom Kenny was the voice of Doc in yeah. Cat Dog. There you go. Also, yeah, the, makes I sense. just want to talk about like Tom Kenny still out there getting it. Like he is mm-hmm. most famously known for SpongeBob, but he is also Commissioner Gordon. He has also done a ton of different voices on uh, Rick and Morty. So you yeah. definitely heard him there. All, all, races. Of the, all of the top tier voiceover talent. You should do yourself a favor. If you like any of these characters, find out who does the voice and then go to their IMDb and your jaw will drop at yeah. how often these people work. It is insane. Yeah, you Tom Kenny's also Heifer in Rocco's Modern Life. He plays yeah. the mm-hmm. Ice King in Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. He's a narrator and mayor in the Powerpuff Girls, who I Boy, love the Miss, mayor. Miss, oh, yeah. Miss Bellum. Yeah. yeah. He's um, the best. He's done a ton of stuff. Yeah, it's it's great. And it also lets you know why it's so hard to break into the voiceover industry. Because <laughs> True, because they do it all. Yeah, they they basically, yeah, everyone, once you're in the family, you're yeah. you're bouncing around. But they, so, they Yeah, did. looking at you, Chris Sabat, voices every <laughs> Dragon Ball Z character ever. Yeah. Another cool him. thing that I love that Nickelodeon did, and I think Cartoon Network did the same thing around the same time, is Oh Yeah Cartoons, which was like their like pilot. Uh, yes. You know, thing that where they would produce pilot shows where where I think like 
Fairly Odd Parents came yep. from that. Chalk Zone. Mm-hmm. A bunch of shows, came, you know, as they were like trying things things out. My Life as a Teenage Robot. The Wild Thornberries premiered before SpongeBob. Yep. And that was the last show before SpongeBob. And the Wild Thornberries was a great show. Tim Curry as Nigel Thornberry was fantastic. Oh, wow. So Smashing. good. So good. So then SpongeBob, even though it premieres in 1999, so many people, even Nickelodeon itself. I have a Nickelodeon backpack that I didn't bring. I should have brought it. That is like 90s Nick. And SpongeBob premiering in the nineteen in ninety in ninety nine means it's a nineties Nick show, but it's not. Right. Yeah. Nobody considers it that because it because it took a few seasons to become what yeah. it is. It took oh, like yeah. three or four seasons for people to catch on and the world to catch on. But he represents that sort of shift of like, okay, Nickelodeon's back. Yeah. I get not that they were ever gone, but like, oh, yeah. man, what a what a what a phenomenon. But what also, what that means is July seventeenth of next year. Mm-hmm will mean that it's been on the air 20 years. Yeah. It has been on the air longer than some people who watch it oh, yeah. has been born. Absolutely. It's, but it's I mean, multi-generational yeah. at this point, which is crazy. Ooh, you're on a mm-hmm. page, because uh, mm-hmm. he's going through his Nicktoon booth. You this know. was a very formative for me as a California kid. Mm-hmm. Rocket <laughs> <Same>. Power. You <laughs> wanted so bad. I was every. Cool. I would watch that show remember and when, then go remember, outside and skate. Yeah, remember when Tony Hawk was on it? That was a big yeah. deal. Yeah, oh yeah, that was like, after oof. After Rocket Power, which again came from like Klasky Chupo, as told by Ginger, was oh, a yeah. show that I was not the target demographic, but I was like, this oh, yeah, is I awesome. It. it was a great, great oh. show. Uh, the Fairly Odd Parents was a huge show, <sighs> premiered in 2001. Huge show and another huge money maker. I feel like for oh, hundred percent. If SpongeBob's one, they, Fairly Odd Parents has like been consistently a solid sort of number two mm-hmm. to to the pop culture phenomenon that is SpongeBob because it's just it's just so consistent. Fairly Odd Parents was so good and so funny. Two thousand one Invader Zim was a big deal. This Man. show was canceled early. Uh, famously, shouldn't have been famously because the creator could not compromise. And it's so interesting because Jonan Vasquez is a genius and he had such a vision for what the show was. He was in his early 20s when he got this show. He was a young man. Yeah. And famously, the story goes that there was a meeting where there were – and this is all hearsay. I don't know what the actual thing was. And this is all stuff that I did not learn from anybody at Nickelodeon. But rather, when I was in art school for animation from 2006 to 2009, I was already hearing the lesson of what happened to Invader Zim when it was canceled in 2002 – because it only gone for a year. That's 27 episodes. It's like a season and a half. Because my art teachers were telling me, here's a lesson you need to know. If you want to work in this industry, if you want to work in animation, it is a collaborative process. It is not a rock star show. You cannot get away with being a jerk. You cannot get away with not being able to work with other people. Famously, Walt Disney collaborated with Salvador Dali on a project back in the day. And then he fired him. Do you know why? Because Salvador Dali was an asshole. And people were telling Walt, Walt, you can't fire him. He's Salvador Dali. He's like, I don't care. This guy doesn't know how to work with other people. I'm, that, that's not what I'm interested in. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter who the person is. So love Jonan and, and and much love to him. And I'm so glad that he's able to come back and do a made-for-TV movie that's coming out uh, hopefully soonish. People don't know when it's coming out yet. But like, but he talks about how he was a different man then. And the famously, the story I heard when I was in college was like the network came with uh, changes that they wanted to make, compromise, because he has a very dark humor style. Everybody knows that about Invader Zim. And apparently they were relatively minor, and he said, no way, and walked away. And it's like, look, man, 
there are other people working on this show. There were other people that like they are require they need that paycheck to yeah. get by, and it's and it was tough, but but it got such a fan base and so much love that like. The reason is he was even able to come back is because so many people, especially of our generation, oh, yeah. loved it and kept asking for it to come back. Well, so I think cool. also like, you know, Johan uh, not only had the show, but also at the time he was doing comics and he was crushing it mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. that kind of helped his ego and being like, OK, I just won't do this and I'll go back to making, you know, the I'm comics. Sure. I'm sure. Which if you haven't, Squee is amazing. I mean, yeah. I, I've I remember when I liked it. So I can't, <laughs> I can't attest that it is holds up. <laughs> sure, but, but you know what does hold up? What? The Invader Zim comics really? that they've done mm-hmm. in the past couple of years that Jonan has has sort of overseen, and like a lot of the talent that worked on the show work on it now. They're freaking great. They're really okay. really great comics. After Invader Zim, you had Chalk Zone, which is kind of a. Yeah. Uh, this is where it forget to get to where people forget. The, yeah. Nick, the Nicktoons. Yeah, and, people forget you know, Chalk Zone, but Chalk Zone was a hit. It was cool. Uh, 2002 was Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. This was a big deal because they get, they got a movie first. Yeah. And this was a very- That came out in 2001. It came out in 2001. It was a very interesting deal where like they had a show greenlit and part of the reason they got the show was like, oh, but can you guys also do- And it was the first like CG show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. And, oh, but can you also with all the models that you guys created and everything you created and with the budget you have, if we gave you more of a budget, could you also do like a, a full length feature film to sort of kick it off and then do, you know- our series order of however many we need. So that was a big deal. And that movie, even though I didn't love it, got nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Whoa. Feature that well, year. Well, yeah, it was really just, good animation. Just to show, like, it's it shouldn't, it's not all about Disney or now Pixar every year, year in and year out oh, winning yeah. it. It's like you had Shrek, you had DreamWorks, you had all these other animation studios doing stuff. So that was cool that they were able to branch out into movies. And I think even before then, Rugrats had a movie, which was a big deal. In the late 90s, early oh, 2000s. Yeah. That's Eventually, when you found out about Chucky's mom. It was very emotional. Very emotional. My Life as a Teenage Robot premiered in 2003, yeah. which had a real cool style. And where's uh, uh, where's uh, Mega XLR? Oh, I don't know if that's... That's not Nickelodeon. That's Cartoon Network. Mega really? XLR, oh, yeah. That, and that show was dope. This, that show was see, dope. And I, that, I think, goes to a test when... Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's necessarily a negative. I feel like it, when you have competition, you borrow from each other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that kind of lends into little bleeding of the lines. You kind of go like, yeah. this could be either a Nick or Cartoon Network. Adventure Time, I think, was a Nickelodeon short that they passed on. And then mm. Cartoon Network picked it up famously. Well, so that was another like, oh, you yeah. guys really missed the ball on this one. Yeah. Uh, Rugrats All Grown Up premiered in 2003. I was not the same. Geeked. I was <laughs> geeked about it. I was so geeked. I was like, yep, this is what I want. Yeah. An adult version of a kid show I like. <laughs> Danny, Danny Phantom, Phantom was a big deal. Danny, People love Danny Phantom. Premiered in 2004. Another Butch Hartman show. Yeah. Which was he cool. He just recently left Nick. He just. It's true. Yeah, he yeah, did. He, I very didn't, recently. I didn't click on the video. I follow Butch Hartman on social media. I didn't click on it where he's like, here's why I left Nickelodeon. But uh, he, he has he, been so prolific. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, it's uh, you know it's re- it's going to be really interesting to see what he does next. Yeah, I clicked on the video because I was like, I need the drama. Yeah, I, the it, drama. But it was oh, he, he has some drama going on on his he's, Twitter he's, account right uh, now. He's oh. been there the whole. He's been there like his whole career. What's yeah, going yeah. on in his Twitter well, account? We we can t- then we gotta. We're at 60 okay. minutes now. But okay. Yeah, but Butch, the only just for anyone who's like, why did he leave? He was like, oh, I just been there long enough. Yeah. Like it wasn't drama. Yeah. It was yeah. clickbait, Butch. Maybe my favorite Nicktoon of all time premieres in 2005. So different. Avatar The Last Airbender. You can guys can do a whole episode about that. If you guys oh, have yeah. not seen this show, you need to do yourself a favor and invest and watch those first three seasons of that first show. This and was... then go watch Legend of Korra because they're gorgeous. Well, here's Amazing. The this was a big moment. Avatar was a big moment in the anime community. Yeah. Because there was a schism. Yes. There was a huge schism mm-hmm. between 
all the anime elitists mm-hmm. because it garnered the argument is this, this anime. anime yeah and you had people who believed it was people who believed it wasn't and they shot barbs at each other because yeah. of it. Then they coined that weird term, American anime. Oh, uh, my gosh. I, I've I, never heard do that. Do you remember when you, we you've had- You've never heard that? Dude, no. uh, it was like, it was because of anim- uh, yeah. Avatar. They started calling, like, American-produced anime, American anime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a long time ago on Krillin at Super, we had- uh, LaShawn Thomas. LaShawn Thomas, mm-hmm. who, was, who explained that anime is just Japanese for animation, so there really is no yeah. difference to say what is anime uh, i am under the belief that it it is colloquial now at this point of a certain art style mm-hmm. which would mean by that banner you would look at uh avatar as anime i remember having that same discussion mm-hmm. about boondocks a mm-hmm. lot of the style of boondocks yep. was very anime animated the way that, overseas mm-hmm. literally animated yeah Lashawn actually worked on legend of korra and boondocks and yeah. he said and now he is uh doing children of ether and cannon busters and he works over there and he just was like nobody has this conversation in here. japan nobody cares only you guys care yep oh that's yep. only a conversation i hear from westerners literally weird? nobody yeah. so says that or cares or is busy or bothered or I, well because with- there is that line in anime fandom where there is a level of fetishization of mm-hmm. japanese culture and so yep. that's where that is the root of that comment. Yes. That is the 100% root. That's the whole root in why people are like, oh, my hero academia. No, call it Boku no Hero. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like that. that is where that is sources. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is all under the veil of, oh, I'm just trying to respect it. It was like, well, the way you respect it is just enjoying it. it yeah. They don't care what you call it. They don't Agreed. care if you say Hunter, Hunter or Hunter X Hunter. Yeah. If you are watching it and enjoying it, they're chill trust me as someone who has yeah. interacted and met yeah. a lot of these creators um some of them not a lot but like <laughs> yeah, i don't want to like guess well i thought. would say like yeah on krillin it we would have japanese american creators on our show and it was so funny because they were like yeah white people correct me about mm-hmm. like how i should be calling it yeah. yeah you know and it's just so like you said iffy they fetishize this culture that isn't theirs and then try to correct people about how what it is and what it's not I think I, th- I I learned uh, a couple years ago, which is really interesting, is about cultural appropriation, what is it and what isn't it, is I was talking to a comic book artist, a guy named Felipe Smith, who actually created, co-created um, the new Latino ghostwriter. Oh, nice. So he's been riding that wave and he's so stoked. Yeah. He's like friends with the actor and he's like so stoked about ghostwriter appearing in like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and so on and so forth. But Felipe Smith was born in South America, uh, raised in the U.S., I think he's like half black, half white, and he is the first ever Westerner to move to Japan and actually produce comics there at a Japanese comic book company. So he was producing manga, and this manga was about an American character who um, is obsessed with Japan, and he gets a chance to go visit Japan, and then like it's kind of different than what he expects, and it's comedic, and it's crazy, and it's also about how Japanese people and Japanese culture view American culture and like gangster lifestyle and all this this really interesting intersection of like cultures. And because he's this guy who's kind of worldly and grew up in different places and moved to Japan and lived there for years and actually does it, there was that argument back then of like, hey, is it manga if um, if you draw it and you do it here in the States? No, it's not. Well, is it manga if you produce it in Japan? Yes, it is. Well, what if it's done by a Westerner? No, it's not. Well, that's bullshit because yeah. that's what Felipe did. And he was kind of you know showing us like 
it doesn't really matter ultimately, but what's interesting is the different combinations of cultures and kind of what you can get. So yes, Avatar The Last Airbender, hugely influenced by Eastern animation and animators themselves. And they would send stuff, you know, when you send it over to the show, they eventually had, uh, it wasn't just American produced and, United, you know, produced in the United States, but eventually they had animation directors, like a lot of these shows, where they're in Korea or they're in Japan or they're in, you know, these places where you are in charge of this whole sequence and then they do it. And it's just as much theirs as it is the writers who wrote the English words that are going to be spoken by the American voice actors, you know, that are they're like they're sort of in the final mix of yeah. the show. So it's this really beautiful and interesting combination. Um, I think you guys nailed it. It's 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 the the topic of like what is and what isn't is interesting, but doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think as the years go on, that kind of line is going to get blurred because I can oh, yeah. watch a show that's on Cartoon Network right now, like OKKO OK, Let's Be Heroes. Clearly, it has anime influences. Yeah. It's not an, a show that is that is animated in that style per se. Mm -hmm. It's a little cartoony show, and yet here we are. So yeah. yeah. So then, 2012. After the SpongeBob, we went down a nice deep dive of mm -hmm. these young, dope cartoons. But then uh, the end launched on Noggin, and that was the moment that everything changed for me because that is when we were able to watch Degrassi in the U.S. <laughs> you know, the Canadians it had spicy. it for too long. And that yeah. was actually my, uh, my first introduction to Aubrey Drake Graham, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. eventually went on to become the rapper known as Drake. Drizzy. Uh, Drizzy. Mm -hmm. Drizzy Drake. Uh, but th then from there, it, it turned uh, Nicktoons TV came on. Which it was a mm -hmm. channel just for Nick's animated series, which launched in 2005. Then you had, um, you know, a new logo in 2009. Mm -hmm. Nick's Splat was actually really fascinating. That came out in 2011, which was like a block uh, for Nick's like golden era, the ones that we were just talking about yeah. shows. And then yeah. they came out with like a loot crate essentially yeah. of oh, that. Yeah. The Nick box. The Nick box. Yep. And it's just so funny because we're all so like, I see a lot of these companies trying to capitalize on nostalgia. And I feel like that's yeah. exactly what that is. It was like, here, let's, here's all your old favorite shows. And then here's a box of like, you can have Chucky, a, a doll of Chucky from Rugrats, you know? And yeah, this, actually what they had in there was a Cynthia doll from Rugrats okay. and it was awesome. Well, what's it was so, the doll that Angelica had. <laughs> <laughs> what's so wild, too, is just how much merchandising Nick did have in its golden age. Like, I remember yeah. Gak. Boy, I wanted yeah. Gak so bad. <laughs> All it was was just this kind of, like, putty. But, like, because it was the Nickelodeon Gak, mm -hmm. I lost my mind about it. Then they had the slime that you that was basically just putty. Mm -hmm. Like, they all this Nickelodeon branded stuff. And then now it, it lives on, still creating dope cartoons like and okay ko that's also cartoon network and <laughs> sorry man hey i didn't mean to well, put that he, in your brain you know if anyone you put, knows you said it i do want to bring up two things yes i'm so sorry we're not going to be able to mention all of your shows on nickelodeon that would be a whole nother hour but two major contenders i would say iCarly was a big deal oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and victorious because that gave us Ariana Grande. Oh, yeah. Victorious. Oh, yeah. And then she went on to uh, have Sam mm -hmm. and Cat or whatever. And that was our first, I feel like, real introduction. She played someone totally different, didn't. It's really funny because Victoria Justice was, you know, the quote unquote, like, star of that show. But everyone kind of, like, latched on to Ariana Grande, who then completely broke out mm. uh, and then ended up dating an SNL cast member. It all comes back oh, yeah. together. And oh, now yeah. they're getting married. And I also want to point out, too, when Nickelodeon um, acquired the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
mm-hmm. was a little scary for Turtles fans. It's like, I don't know, what are they going to do? So far, as far as I'm concerned, Nickelodeon has been doing them right. Oh, yeah. And has okay. had some great shows, great shorts. Uh, the movie side, that's a different story, Michael Bay. But the cartoon stuff and the stuff that Nickelodeon has been in charge of, I think they've yeah. been doing great. And all the Turtles stuff since then has been awesome. So. And, of course, we had Nick Jr. We had Little Bear. Yeah. We had, uh, yeah. as if he was saying, Blue's Clues. We had my girl Dora trying to mm-hmm. teach us Ben oh. to these kids. Dora yeah. was huge. We didn't even talk about Swiper, Dora. Yeah. No we didn't swiping. even talk about Drake mm-hmm. and Josh and mm-hmm. just how— Drizzy Drake. Yeah, the other Drake. The other Drake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I feel like we did a pretty good job of catch, capturing everything just looking at the lineup. I mean, we had Zoe 101, you know. Pete and Pete, Secret Pete, World of Alex Max, yeah. Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, there's so many. Wow. We are going to do a deep dive of some of these that yeah, have like I a feel whole like, following. Yeah, especially like some of these that we can really jump into it. And mm-hmm. of course, Clarissa Explains It All, which was my Ooh, first yeah. huge crush. You know, she was dope as hell, but also now that I'm older, I'm like, my parents, wh- why did they let me watch this boy that had a ladder that would crawl into her bedroom? Inappropriate. Gave me some ideas. Yeah. Inappropriate. Not my fault, mom and dad. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been uh, super great and it seems like Nick's just keeping that fun train rolling and for, you know, little Naomi's going to be watching Nick soon enough and yeah. she's going to have her shows. It's it, it's wild. I think it's fun to see the generational stuff, but for everyone, I think some of these shows to check out, I think if there was one shows out of all the shows we talked about mm-hmm. that you can recommend, we'll go around the table, Oof. that someone go back and watch. One, only one. I feel like, what es- would it be? especially for kids, I would pick Hey Arnold. I thought Hey Arnold was, because like Avatar is different. That's cool so when you're good. an adult, super different, super cool. But Hey Arnold especially was like, here's a group of like inner city kids a bunch of different backgrounds. You learn things like Harold the bully. He's not just a bully. He's got his own troubles. He's got his own stuff and taught me lessons and made me want to live in a city and made city living cool. Whereas before Hey Arnold, it felt like everything was in a suburb. Everything was leave it to Beaver. But then you get to Hey Arnold and it's like, look, man, they got they're, they got a train in their backyard just like we do. So I would, <laughs> I would pick that. What about you? If you what would be your recommendation? Ooh, if I had to pick my recommendation, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I'm gonna say Invader Zim. Oh, it's a fun watch. It, mm-hmm. it, too scary. Yeah, too spooky. No, not it's cool. spooky enough. You know, <laughs> and, and to me, I feel like it really shaped the comedy in it was mm-hmm. really ahead of its time. Just when they were fighting with the planets, and it drops on that guy's cup, and he's freaking out, like when he really could move. You know, like if he just moved from that cup. He, he would be fine, but he just was holding on to it and losing his mind. And that made me laugh for so long in my life. And I went and looked it up. Uh, it, was, it was very it was very reminiscent to the Austin Powers bit with the <laughs> car coming and the guy. No, yeah. No, move. Move out <laughs> yeah, of the way. Yeah. Great so, yeah. yeah. Man, this is hard. I guess I have to go for all my little horror babies that love Halloween 24-7, All Real Monsters. Yeah, it's a good one. All Real Monsters. It's just, it's fun. I don't know. I had to like write one day and I just like bought it and put it on in the background. (laughs) Um, But I just, I loved it so much and I'm a big fan of Halloween and it's Halloween all the time for them. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, where can people find you, Hector? You can find me on the internet at Hector is Funny. Check out new episodes of Animation Investigation that are appearing on YouTube.com slash Nerdist every Thursday morning. And also listen for the newest episode of the 500 Greatest Films podcast where me and my roommate and good buddy Keller Knobloch watch a different movie each week with a different guest. And it's going to take us 10 years to complete the list of the 500 oh. Greatest. Huh? Yeah. 
That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, you can go back and listen to old episodes of the official Nickelodeon animation podcast yeah. that Hector did because he spoke to a lot of creators and voice actors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like this, go take a, a further deep dive. Go do that. Yeah, go go even deeper. I'd appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. That'd be cool. And you know me, you can catch me here every Tuesday right where you are and Mondays on Candy Dinner. Uh, and on Twitch, ifties, lots of hashtag nerdfam, hashtag iffy nation coming in with those Twitch Prime subs. And I can't thank you enough, but I do have to remind you that they do not auto root new. And every month, your boy has to come through uh, and give me that love. Uh, mm-hmm. So just a reminder, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's a new month for some of y'all. Come back. <laughs> hashtag uh, Shulk Boys. Yeah, hashtag yeah, Shulk Boys. If you waddy way on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the socials. Check out our T Public site. We have merch. And uh-huh. I actually was wearing our Stay Nerdy shirt at the airport and got multiple compliments on it. And I felt weird because I want to be like, thanks, it's my podcast. But I didn't. <laughs> I just said thanks. Oh man, I need to get over and be like, thanks, yeah. it's my it's my podcast. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, but it's a dope, a really cool shirt and we have new designs coming up and I believe that we are also going to allow people to submit designs that you will get paid for. So every shirt that's bought, uh, you will get a portion of that as well. So I think we need to tweet. We'll tweet out the link to that. Yes, yes. And yeah, by now our new design is up. It's a real cool custom Nerdificent cover where Danny is Batman and I am Robin. I look like a little bank robber. I like it. Like, yeah. Big shouts out to Eve's Jeffcoat, uh, Christopher Hasiotis, our researchers who held it down, got all this juicy info for us. Thanks, guys. Uh, big thanks to Hector for coming in. Oh, thank you you so know, much. super producer Anna, editor Dan Goodman, and, you know, our man Zach McKeever in the booth holding it down. And as always, Stay nerdy. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.